Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, I'm Dr. Gina, and welcome to Primetime. It is day one of the impeachment trial. But I've been very puzzled as to why the Democrats are pursuing an impeachment that is doomed to fail. They don't have the votes. They already know that. To convict President Trump, it takes a supermajority of 67 votes to convict. But after some thought, maybe now I understand why Democrats are pursuing this. And the thought is actually terrifying. This impeachment trial is really a dream come true for Democrats. Even though Trump won't be convicted, this will be the left's first big attempt to criminalize speech and actually thought. I'm going to get to more about that later. We all heard President Trump's speech on January 6th. I was there in Washington, D.C. at that speech that day. Democrats say that President Trump inspired a riot at the Capitol with inflammatory words in order to incite an insurgency. But we all know what he said. Let's watch it one more time. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Let's walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. I want to thank you all. God bless you and God bless America. Thank you all for being here. This is and he said, I know that everyone here, I'm repeating this for you in case you didn't hear it clearly, will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Democrats can't make the case that his words were dangerous. What he said in that speech was just fine, actually. They're criminalizing the claim of what he meant, even though his words were completely clear and completely tame. The case the Democrats are making is that in his mind, when he spoke about peacefully marching to the Capitol, he meant, he meant to start an insurrection at the Capitol to overthrow the government. And even though he won't be convicted of this crime of speech and thought, Democrats will have officially held a trial of someone on a national level for political speech with which they disagree. We have more on this coming up a little later on in the show, but first I want to head out to our hosts and correspondents around the country. And we're going to start in Washington, D.C. with the host of Just the News AM, Carrie Sheffield. Go ahead, Carrie. Hey there, Dr. Gina. I want to give you the update on the impeachment trial and the arguments from the Trump team. So they're bringing arguments to say Democrats have used very similar language as President Trump when it comes to elections. So look at 2017. Nancy Pelosi, she tweeted out, our election was hijacked. There is no question Congress has a duty to hashtag protect our democracy and hashtag follow the facts. It's a different tune. Flash forward to 2021. 
Also, Stacey Abrams, she has refused even to this day to concede the Georgia governor race, saying that the game is rigged. And there was a host of prominent Democrats, including Hillary Clinton, Eric Holder, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Elizabeth Warren. They've endorsed Abrams' claim that Kemp stole the election through a series of nefarious voter purges in the run-up to Election Day. That's an article from 2019. Also, Maxine Waters, her own language. She said, if you see anybody from that cabinet, the Trump cabinet, in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gas station, you get out and create a crowd and you push back on them and you tell them they're not welcome anymore anywhere. So the question is this pushback. Is this a literal incitement of violence? Uh, Republicans say if we're being literal, then yes, she would be if we're going to use literal interpretations of words the way they want to use the literal interpretation of Trump saying to fight for your country during his speech. Another example, Rand Paul. He said that Schumer should be impeached because he said about the justices Kavanaugh and Gorsuch, you've released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hits you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Again, what hits you? This language, it is all a double standard, according to the Trump argument. We'll stay tuned and keep you posted on this, Dr. Gina. Wow. Thank you so much, Carrie. Now I want to go to RAV headquarters in Washington, D.C., where Jessica Rivera is standing by. Jessica, what do you have for us today? Well, Dr. Gina, I had the pleasure of speaking with the owner of one of America's largest refrigeration trucking companies, JKC Trucking, and 30-year trucking industry expert, Mike Kucharski. I spoke with Kucharski about Pete Buttigieg's uh, recent confirmation as the newest Secretary of Transportation. Kucharski says Buttigieg doesn't have the experience needed to fully understand how to solve America's infrastructure issues and how to pay for it, especially when you figure truckers are how our food supplies and goods are transported. Buttigieg's solution is to raise the fuel tax. But is that really the answer? Here's Kucharski. I don't agree. Raising raising the fuel tax is not the answer. You know, the two biggest expenses in a, in a weekly uh, trucking expenses are number one, driver pay, and two, fuel. You, we're using fuel to burn to transport product. We're using fuel to cool uh, the goods we haul to heat them, and obviously in the wintertime, like as, as we are now, and the trucking industry is still struggling uh, because of the the COVID hit. You know, uh, increasing the fuel tax will only further burden our industry and, and only cause the cost of goods to to increase to the end user, which which are the American people. And not to mention, Dr. Gina, the tax hike would be regressive, meaning it takes a larger percentage of income from lower earners compared to higher ones. So ultimately, Buttigieg's solution will hurt the poor and middle classes. And with this very proposal as being one of his first, Buttigieg has proved he doesn't have the understanding or experience to really be effective in his new position as Secretary of Transportation, unless he starts talking and listening to those who know the trucking industry. Dr. Gina. Very interesting. Well, we appreciate that, Jessica. Thank you so much for letting us know about all that. You're welcome. All right. And by the way, correction on Jessica. She's in Denver, Colorado, not Washington, D.C. Sorry about that. Now let's head out to California to our West Coast correspondent, Amanda Head. Amanda, churches are actually open again, but uh, no thanks to that governor, right? Definitely not, no. 
Churchgoers in California are thanking God in person, in church, with their fellow churchgoers for a Supreme Court ruling. Uh, Harvest Rock Church, which is actually not far from me in Pasadena, was one of the churches who sued the state of California, arguing that the state's restrictions on in-person worship violated their religious liberty. Now, this was actually the newest Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett's first signed opinion, which stated that it was up to churches to demonstrate that they were entitled to relief from the singing ban. So for now, even though California can no longer restrict in-person church going, they are still restricting the capacity to 25% and mandating a ban on singing and chanting. Now, the pastor of that church that I spoke about, Harvest Rock Church in Pasadena, his name is Cheon. He's the senior pastor there, and he said that they would not be following that ludicrous and draconian mandate of halting singing in church. And while we're talking about these types of measures in California, as of yesterday, the recall Gavin uh, count of signatures is up to 1.4 million, so just shy of the 1.5 million that's required for the measure to be on the ballot. But of course, they are seeking 1.8 million. That's their goal so that they have a little bit of padding to account for signatures that will be deemed invalid. And everything I'm hearing, Amanda, most of the churches are not participating with the just draconian rules that are being handed down of not singing, not chanting, the same way that a lot of people aren't going along with the rule of you can't watch television uh, in public places, uh, you know, because you're transferring the logic of thinking that those things in particular yeah. cause COVID are, it, it, it's just nonsensical. It's nonsensical. And, and Harvest Rock Church is not the only one, even in this area, that has been defying uh, Grace Community Church. I'm sure you've heard of John MacArthur, um, famed Christian right. uh, apologetics professor and, and, and theorist. Um, he, his church, Grace Community Church, which is in Sunland, California, about 30 minutes from here, they have defied the orders all along. And there there are still... I guess you can call them woke neoliberal Christian churches that are happy to still abide by Gavin Newsom's ban on in-person uh, church going. But a lot of these churches who value their freedom, they value the First Amendment and that special little clause in there about religious liberty. They are fighting for this. And I'm very proud of those churches because in a state like California that is so hostile to, uh, let's face it, Judeo-Christian values, they are definitely taking a stand. Well, and none of these pastors have been hauled off to prison yet, so that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> At least so far. Yeah. Anyway, thank you so Don't much. Don't hold your breath. Yeah, right, exactly. Who knows what will happen next. Yeah. But anyway, thank you for keeping us updated on all the things happening out there in crazy Fornia. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Gina. All right. Let's head out to Joseph Weber, the news editor at Just the News, back around to Washington, D.C. Joseph, uh, over at Just the News, you've reported that the World Health Organization says COVID probably did not leak from Wuhan lab. Uh, Joseph, um, who to believe? Because we get different stories on this just about every day. Well, I think that just to answer you, your last, your most immediate question directly, I don't think that the conclusion of the WHO researchers is going to satisfy uh, a lot of people. I think that there's still a lot of speculation about how this really happened. I mean, take a look how the Chinese Communist Party, when the virus was first detected in late 2019, uh, their response, uh, they weren't transparent, uh, they were slow to respond, there was concern that the WHO was, for lack of a better word, sort of in the tank with these guys covering for them until they were able to get a hold on it. 
So it doesn't really, I don't think, um, people are going to find this report, um, the findings with a lot of spec, deem it with a lot of speculation still, nevertheless. Um, as you know, I think maybe just one more point there, which is more specifically referring to is the Wuhan Virology Lab, where people felt like uh, the virus might have leaked out of right around the wet market from where the, allegedly a woman ate a, bought a bat in an exotic market and ate it. And that's where the feel like the animal to um, human uh, virus jumped. And that's still basically essentially uh, what the researchers think. And that's what the Chinese Communist Party continues sort of to stick with, although they have changed their uh, analysis of that a little bit as well. Does any of this um, become suspect in light of the fact that China perhaps feels a little more empowered on the, on the international scale with someone like Joe Biden in office? Well, it's interesting um, that they certainly, I think they probably, if I were to you know, get into the game of, of speculation, uh, feel a lot more relieved that President Trump isn't in office anymore because he was very critical of them I uh, was really critical of them in many ways on the economic front, uh, how they manipulated the financial markets, the steel markets, how they flooded it with cheap steel, you know, that he hit them pretty hard with the tax and the tariffs. And he was the, at the forefront of the speculation about just exactly how this virus started. Were they transparent? And, you know, what did they do about that? So uh, nevertheless, I think that they are breathing a sigh of relief. They did let the researchers in. Uh, they did even let them into the viral lab, but yet they were only allowed to ask a limited number of questions in that wet lab, uh, locked down, lock and key for a long time. There's going to be no evidence pulled out of there. So I, I feel like it was a win for them to get to have the researchers leave without really finding anything definitive, if you're calling balls and strikes on it. Well, I think we'll probably continue to see some stories out of this by these uh, multinational globalist organizations uh, as we continue to explore. So thank you so much, Joseph Weber. Appreciate it. Of course. Coming up, are the Democrats overreaching? Will they pay a big price for pursuing this impeachment? Well, that is next on Dr. Gina Primetime. So you stick around. We'll see you. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. Now, the Democrats' dog and pony impeachment show has begun. The day started with the House impeachment managers walking the articles of impeachment over to the Senate, and the Democrats staged a parade for the cameras, slowly marching to do their solemn duty. It was literally like a version of, I don't know, I never mind. Today's arguments in front of the Senate were meant to address the process of impeachment and whether it was appropriate, legal, and in line with the Constitution to hold an impeachment trial after a president has already left office. But the Democrat impeachment managers came out swinging, they did. They played a video of the Capitol breach and played a video of President Trump's speech. But the editing, the editing of the video, very deceptive. It mixed up the timeline and failed to mention that the Capitol breach was happening while President Trump was actually still speaking on the White House lawn 
miles away. And the Democrats, of course, left out the part of Trump's speech where he talked about peaceably walking to the Capitol. It left out several key parts of the president's speech, actually. The Democrat House impeachment managers then went through old impeachment precedent from years past and occasionally read dramatic interpretations of Trump's tweets. Tweets. Watch this. Here's what he tweeted at 6.01. As the Capitol was in shambles and as dozens of police officers and other law enforcement officers lay battered and bruised and bloodied. Here's what he said. These are the things and events that happen when a sacred landslide election victory is so unceremoniously and viciously stripped away from great patriots who have been badly and unfairly treated for so long. Go home with love and in peace. Remember this day forever. Every time I read that tweet, it chills me to the core. The president of the United States sided with the insurrections. That was Democrat Congressman David Cicilline, who was chilled to the core by that tweet. So overdramatic and ridiculous. Soon after the Trump team came to the podium today and reminded everyone that the Democrats had been calling for impeachment of President Trump since only hours after he stepped in to the Oval Office. Watch. Donald Trump, who I may well be voting to impeach. Donald Trump has already done a number of things which legitimately raise the question of impeachment. I don't respect this president, and I will fight every day until he is impeached. That is grounds to start impeachment proceedings. Those are grounds to start impeachment. Those are grounds to start impeachment proceedings. Yes, I think that's grounds to start impeachment proceedings. I rise today, Mr. Speaker, to call for the impeachment of the President of the United States of America. I continue to say, impeach him! Impeach 45! Impeach 45! So we're calling upon the House to begin impeachment hearings immediately. On the impeachment of Donald Trump, would you vote yes or no? I would vote yes. I would vote, I would vote to impeach. Because we're gonna go in there, we're gonna impeach the mother uh, but the fact is, I introduced articles of impeachment in July of 2017. We don't impeach this president. He will get reelected. Most requires me to be for impeachment, have an impeachment hearing, and he's the scarlet eye on his chest. The representatives should begin impeachment proceedings against this president. It is time to bring impeachment charges against him. Bring impeachment charges. My personal view is that uh, he richly deserves impeachment. I'm here at an impeachment rally. So day one of the impeachment sham is on the books, but will any of this actually change any minds? Here with his thoughts on day one of all of this craziness is former U.S. attorney for the Southern District of Florida, Guy Lewis. Guy, good to see you. Guy, what's your takeaway after the first day of this, uh, this showing? Gina, boy, it was a show, wasn't it? Listen, I was a prosecutor for a long time. On one side, you had the Democrats really just trying to appeal to emotion. It, it was remarkable. No evidence. I mean, there was no evidence to say that, for example, hey, the president told all these people, get up, get violent, attack. No evidence of that. Instead, just a 
as you said, a splice Hollywood-produced film that was highly, highly misleading. On the other side, of course, very powerful arguments by the president's lawyers, and ironically, they kept holding up the Constitution. Look at the Constitution. Look at the words. Look at the document. And um, to me, the contrast was extraordinary. I want to ask you something that I don't think was brought up today, um, because I had to get ready for work and actually come here, so I did miss you know some of some of the things that happened. But um, in an insurgency, has there ever been an insurgency that was done without guns? Because you know you 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 hear from the left all the time that every Trump every Trump supporter in the world has guns, and they may be right. I think most supporters do have guns. Um, most of the Trump supporters I know are pretty well stocked up on guns. Um, so does it make any sense that if, if the Trump Trump army, as they like to refer to them, were going to have an insurgency that were ordered that was ordered by the president and was pre-planned, that they would show up without guns? Does that make sense to you? Boy, that's a great question. Because what it really gets to is the heart of the insurgency charge. There has to be some element of violence, not on the, the participants, the actual people who entered the Capitol and did what they did. But there has to be evidence that the president knew about it, orchestrated it, encouraged it. Every bit of that, Gina, is missing. Listen, as a U.S. attorney, as a former federal prosecutor, this I understand it's political. This is political. But this kind of case would never ever be brought in a federal court. It'd be thrown out in a New York minute. And when you when you look at the actual legal definitions, uh, because this is what you do, I want to ask you, are the, are the nuts and bolts of an insurrection provable here? Short answer is I don't think so. I don't think the evidence is there. And for example, my best evidence on that point we know that the uh, U.S. attorney, Michael Sherwin, in Washington, D.C., used to be a prosecutor down here, I know him well, he's brought 200 cases against individuals. And several of those are conspiracy cases, Gina. And guess who's not named or charged in one single of those conspiracy counts? The President of the United States. Yeah. Yeah, and that and that alone is interesting. But the but the uh, it, it, you know to their credit, uh, the lawyers made that case. They said you know the the Trump attorneys will say that you know he shouldn't he's not shouldn't be able to be charged because he's a private citizen because he's no longer uh, the acting president, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that they did a masterful job, if we're to give them credit, of appealing to the emotional side of this. They created a very misleading, a very deceptive video that looks a lot like some of the videos we saw after 9-11, frankly, uh, with, the, with the black background and the white reverse on top of it, uh, giving a very misleading and deceptive timeline, uh, but laying it out to make you think this is what happened. Um, leaving out the words peaceful, leaving out the words, you know, very key words out of the, the mouth of the president, uh, President Trump, um, and, and, and really creating a whole very emotional argument and then um, having 
you know, other emotional arguments follow it up. And then you bring on the Republicans, as is so often the case, the president's attorneys, and they come on and they give a legally strong argument, a rational, a logical, a mathematical <laughs> argument. And, 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 and then I, it occurs to me that their audience isn't necessarily all attorneys who necessarily all completely understand the law. And this guy is very where I get concerned. Because if people don't understand the law completely, and they're the ones who are making the decision, they don't need to understand the law. They might be acting on emotion. Do you think minds were changed today based on emotion? That's my question. Again, you, you are, you're going straight to the heart of the matter. Great questions. And, and, and my response would be that there is one thing that I do know. I bet the house, the American people do understand fairness. They understand that this was the fastest impeachment process in house history. He was impeached in 48 hours. They held on to the impeachment document for longer than they uh, took to return the document. No witnesses called, no lawyer for the president present. Um, there were so many due process violations. This would never, ever hold up in a real court of law. And that's what I think the American people are going to remember after today. Sage, sage comments, Guy Lewis. Thank you so much for being with us. Your experience that really counts on a day like today. We appreciate it. All right, well, it is clear that the Democrats are still very obsessed with Donald Trump living in their head rent-free all this time. So will this impeachment backfire politically? Here with me now to discuss the political side of all of this, former White House Deputy Press Secretary Hogan Gidley. Hogan, always great to have you. Hogan, the Democrats in Washington, D.C. only have one issue these days, to destroy Trump. And it's really been their motto from pretty much day one. That's all they can think about. They obsess over him day and night. Will this ever end, this obsession with Donald Trump? I don't think so, because that one issue is important, but the other two, I think, are driving a lot of their decisions. It's politics and power. That's what this entire impeachment thing is about. Remember, the first impeachment was very similar. Nancy Pelosi rushed it through. It was paramount that she get this done for the safety and future of the country, but yet she waited a month to deliver the articles to the United States Senate. Um, you know, she didn't have the votes. Everyone knew it was a predetermined outcome. And fast forward to now, we're getting close to the same situation in which uh, the American people know not many minds are going to be changed here. Um, but what Nancy Pelosi is trying to do is to maintain her power by having a political tool with which to stab Republicans with. And I don't mean to use that phrase, um, you know, willy nilly. I mean, in a political sense, she wants to keep beating us up over and over again with the politics of impeachment. Now, mind you, remember during the Democrat National Convention, they didn't even use the word impeachment. That wasn't even brought up in debates. It didn't matter the first time. This time, though, what they're trying to do is conflate two serious issues. What they are trying to say is getting the uh, members of the Senate, Republicans on the record voting for acquittal. What that will do is basically allow Democrats for the next several years and beyond, whether Donald Trump is around or not, to say, if you disagree with us and do not 
want the president of the United States impeached, then you do agree with the rioters uh, at, the, at the United States Capitol. It's a conflation that's disingenuous. Um, it's absolutely a disgusting political tactic. But worse than that, it's, it's dangerous for the future of the country. If we can just disagree politically, and yet somehow the Democrats are able to use that political disagreement and say that we are for insurrection, and the media goes along with it too and champions the same lie, then we're going to have some serious problems moving forward in this country. There's no question about it. Yeah. There has to be a political price, though, right, Hogan? Because voters don't like this. And frankly, it is very expensive. We're not worrying about what's happening with COVID. We're not worried about illegals coming over the border and bringing it into our country freely, meaning COVID, untested illegals. We're not worried about businesses that are suffering and have been long suffering and all the suicides and all the uh, drug abuse and deaths related to that um, for the shutdowns. Um, we're not concerned about the economy that is hurt right now and the people that are suffering because of it. We're not concerning ourselves with any of that in Congress right now because we have this dog and pony show happening over here uh, with these people trying to act like this is a serious trial when it isn't, and we know it isn't because they've been calling for it since Donald Trump came on the scene from the first hours he spent in the Oval Office, or maybe before that, um, and it is grossly expensive, and they don't seem to care about that either. Will the Democrats pay a price in coming elections? Well, first of all, Democrats don't care about spending your tax dollars. Uh, you know, they never have, they never will. Um, they're but not going to do it responsibly. Do care. But, right, and that's where I was going. The American people do care. And I think this is going to be significant in the 2022 elections for Congress. I mean, typically, the party out of power can take back the House. We made amazing strides in the House of Representatives, did conservatives this past election. Even when all the prognosticators said we would never come close to taking back the House, we would lose seats. In fact, we didn't. I think the American people are sick and tired of this. And I tell you some of the things that that Joe Biden has done early on in his administration. I mean, basically got rid of uh, women's sports. Uh, he, he destroyed jobs by getting rid of the Keystone Pipeline. He promised to do things like that when he was running for office. And we told the American people this was going to happen. But, you know, for the media, they said, no, no, he, he's so, he's just old Uncle Joe. He's just moderate. We told you he wasn't. He's not. And I think as you begin to look at the fallout from his policies, there's no question it's going to have a lasting political uh, effect on the Democrats. This impeachment trial, we know it's a sham. We know that it's not based in, in law or fact. So it's going to come and go, just like the last one did. What the Democrats, as I said, want to do is get Republicans on the record voting for acquittal because they think that's going to be their key to keeping the House, the Senate, and eventually the White House. I think the opposite effect is going to actually – uh, come to bear itself out. I think the American people are going to see these Democrats have moved so far to the left and have embraced these socialist, radical, communist uh, you know, policies and ideologies, and, and they have nowhere to hide now because they control all the levers of power. And I always find it funny that you know, e even in the, in the White House briefing when Jen Psaki gets asked questions, I heard a reporter just yesterday or day before actually say something along the lines, or I guess it was last week, say something along the lines of, um, when are the Republicans going to get in line? When are they going to get on board with what you guys want to do? It, it, wow. You guys control the House. 
the Senate and the White House. When is it ever about Democrats with the media? It still somehow is about us. But I think this this trial is going to is going to start to pivot things back to the Democrats and let the American people really see the difference in what we have done for them in the last four years with a president who cared about the American worker and American businesses, put America first and our families first, as opposed to yeah. the Democrats who are for open borders and all the like. Hogan, I'm super short on time, out of time, really, in this segment, but I've really got to ask you one more quick thing. What can this audience do this week while they're so appalled? Because I'm seeing polls being pushed saying, oh, the American public wants this president impeached. I know that's not true. So what can this audience be doing while they're watching this rancor go on to ensure that this goes the right direction? Look, I think it is going to go the right direction. I think what the American people need to do, what viewers of your show need to do, are stay engaged. Take a look at the websites out there for Donald Trump. Take a look at some of the message boards. Get on social media if you're not kicked off and, and make your opinions yeah. known. But don't don't put your head in the sand because you don't like the way the election went. Stay focused, stay engaged, and we will take back the House, the Senate, and eventually the White House as well. All right. Hogan Gidley, thanks so much for being with us tonight. Thanks. Coming up, union workers really ticked their jobs have been eliminated by Biden's, Biden's radical environmental agenda. We're going to tell you about it coming up next. More Dr. Gina Primetime coming at you. Stick around. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. While the impeachment trial is happening, the Biden administration is still hard at work pushing their leftist agenda. But the Congressional Budget Office has been crunching the numbers on their idea of a federal $15 minimum wage. Here is the headline from justthenews.com. Nonpartisan Congressional Office gradual $15 minimum wage hike would cost 1.4 million jobs. Ouch. Sounds painful. Here with me now to discuss former White House Senior Advisor John Fleming. John, great to see you. The Biden administration doesn't mind job losses, do they, John? They would lose 1.4 million jobs if they are able to push through this $15 an hour minimum wage hike. But they already lost plenty of jobs with the Keystone Pipeline shutdown. So what are a few million more jobs here and there, I guess, right? Well, Dr. Jeannie, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, <laughs> the very first day, almost the first action for Dr. Biden uh, excuse me, President Biden, was to shut down the Keystone Pipeline, which killed off uh, up to 11,000 jobs immediately, really good-paying jobs. And uh, we also lost a lot of jobs in December as a result of the fact that Nancy Pelosi would not cut a deal on a stimulus, finally forcing one now, uh, but it may be too little too late. All right. Well, you know, a new poll by our partners at Just the News found that a solid majority of Americans think that a minimum wage hike would be a job killer. It says 51 percent say that a $15 minimum wage would kill uh, jobs and only 29 percent say that a minimum wage hike would have no effect. So, John, 
I'm surprised that so many Americans are wise to the bad effects of a minimum wage. It means somebody's done their PR correctly. And people understand that, you know, if, if a company has to pay more to, uh, you know, to employees, it means that they are going to let some employees go. Uh, that Finally, that case has been made because I remember days past where people just didn't understand that. They just thought this just meant a pay raise for everybody that was already working and didn't realize that meant jobs lost. Exactly. The CBO is absolutely correct on this. Uh, a one-size-fits-all solution from the federal government is always destructive, and this is the greatest example of that. $15 an hour may be a good proper market rate for some parts of the country, say in California and New York, but middle America, that's, uh, that, that is too high of an entry level. And what happens is that business owners just get by without that uh, second or third employee, somebody who would otherwise make minimum wage or as much as $10 an hour. So what happens is that group that's really the entry level uh, employee into many businesses, they're mainly unskilled and oftentimes young and still either in high school or college, uh, they don't even get to get on the bottom rung to climb the ladder. They just have yeah. to stay at home and hopefully get some sort of welfare. And you think about the businesses, especially the restaurants in these shutdown states where, you know, they're already hurting and you're going to add to that, that the burden of them maybe being able to only open at 25% capacity or something, and now they have to pay their employees even more. It's, it's just utterly ridiculous. John, this $1.9 trillion COVID bill is a behemoth also, and that's a huge amount of money, and it's just a blue state bailout to governors who've done a really terrible job, if you think about it, of running their states. But even Biden's Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, has said this amount of spending is sure to cause inflation. You can't just keep printing money, John, and expect nothing to happen, right? You're so right, Dr. Gina. Look, uh, I was in Congress in 2009 when President Obama pushed forward an $800, $800 million, excuse me, $800 billion. There's so many numbers now, it's hard to keep track now right. that we're in the trillions. <laughs> but we got up to $800 billions, uh, you know, to, to recover from the recession that occurred then as a result of the banking mortgage disaster. Uh, that's peanuts yeah. compared to what we're seeing today. Uh, right. $1.9 and that's on top of uh, probably, I don't know, we're probably at $3, $4 trillion so far spent to fight COVID. And um, the reports are that there's still a trillion dollars that was appropriated last year that still hasn't been spent. You know, and it makes you really wonder, is anyone ever going to address this debt issue, but uh, I, I want to get to that. But John, um, the Biden economic plan isn't so popular with union members. Richard Trumka, the head of the AFL-CIO, that spent, by the way, millions to get Biden elected, traditional Democrats all the time, um, he even says he's not happy about the loss of jobs that you mentioned earlier with the Keystone Pipeline being shut down. Those are good paying union jobs, and a lot of those are gone. And even though um, a lot of times rank and file union members, people I know, will go ahead and secretly support Republicans because they recognize that a lot of times their union bosses are a lot more like uh, corporate giants who, you know, get in bed with the Democrat Party and then don't do a lot for their rank and file members. The bosses, the, the union bosses are often, um, they just don't criticize the Democrat Party, period, ever, end of story. So this is really something that Trumka did this. 
It really is. Look, um, Democrats have been losing uh, the unions gradually, uh, really over the last decade, and that really accelerated under President Trump. And the reason is because the Democratic Party does not any longer represent the average working person. That really is the Republican Party. And again, Trump was able to, to make that distinction very clear. And look, killing off these really high paying jobs, these good quality jobs that are allowing people to raise their families is totally unjustifiable because even though we pulled out of the Paris Accords uh, when it comes to uh, clean air and, and clean water and glo uh, global warming, climate change and all of that, uh, we have done the most to reduce uh, all of those climate effects than any other uh, Western nation, uh, industrial nation. And we've done that by, by fracking and natural gas. So it's technology, it's the, it's the science that really cleans our water, cleans our air, and uh, will combat climate change, not killing jobs. There's just no justification and there's no one-to-one -one correlation that if someone loses, loses their job uh, you know, pumping natural gas, that somehow they're going to make up for it by building some sort of uh, device uh, that would uh, uh, create uh, a so-called environmental friendly form of energy. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we, we, they're very selective in the science that they uh, want to talk yes. about or even believe. And they, I think they make up three quarters of it. And the other one quarter is uh, just made up by the scientists that they pay at their very uh, patronizing universities. But that's a whole other story. John Fleming, we want to have you back soon. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Dr. Gene. Enjoyed it. Thank you. All right, coming up, you won't believe the wall that has been built around the U.S. Capitol in Washington, D.C. Razor wire, armed guards, it's a sight to see, and we will take you there. Up next, Dr. Gina Primetime. Stick around. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. So glad you're with us. Don't forget, if you are watching us at RAVTV, don't forget to check out my podcast at JustTheNews.com. Go to the little hamburger up in the corner. Scroll down to my picture on podcasts, and you'll find us there. And if you're listening on our podcast, don't forget to watch us at Real America's Voice. Last night, I was amazed at the sight of the razor wire-topped border fence around the U.S. Capitol, where our own Ben Burkwam did his report for this show. And so joining me now from Washington, D.C., on the first day of the second impeachment trial of President Trump is our own Ben Burkwam. Ben, it's great to have you with us. Ben, what's the feel out there on the streets of D.C.? Is anyone else as shocked by the prison wire, the, the razor wire, as I was when I saw that? With you there last night for the first time you know it's unbelievable talking to people but the, the kind of one of the uh the uh, surprises that i've had with this was how few people are actually out here there were about five trump supporters uh they had their signs uh, impeach Biden, not trump the real insurrection was the the theft of the election uh, but other than that it is really eerily quiet here but talking to folks on the ground it is 
you know, it's 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 ironic. Even some Democrats are saying uh, this isn't what we elected. This isn't what we voted for. And so it's you know, it's it's crazy, though. I, I actually walked around it. It took me about an hour to walk around the entire perimeter. It goes for blocks and blocks and blocks. And so can can media get in there? I mean, what's what do you have to you just have to be uh, an elected official to get in there? What What are they keeping out? Right. Unless uh, the, the Senate media is allowed in. So there are, uh, you know, the protected class of media is allowed inside the building. But otherwise, it's just representatives and their staff. Uh, no tours. No. I mean, everything else is on lockdown. And it's interesting. All three houses of, of government, the uh, Supreme Court, the uh, Congress and the White House are all barricaded and locked down. And so it's 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 one of those surreal times in American history where we, the people, the people's house, we, the sovereigns, are no longer allowed into any of our three bre- branches of federal government. It's, um, you know, it's it's a scary thing. I, I, I mentioned that it was, uh, you know, it's like the the People's Republic of the District of Columbia. And that's what it's starting to feel like. The this yeah. you know, what's ironic is they were calling President Trump fascist when during his presidency. Yet we're seeing true fascism, the combination of yeah. leftism and uh, big business coming together to silence opposition and it just the right. continuation through the impeachment trial. Yeah, because we didn't vote on this. Our elected officials didn't vote on this. This was just someone's decision, and I'm not even really sure her who. Okay, Ben, I don't want you to go anywhere because the show is almost over. But first, I want to bring you to the fun part of the day, which is our meme of the day here on this show. Now, this meme shows AOC, and she is telling the story of how she was right there in the middle of the action, helping Tom Brady win the Super Bowl. Ben AOC loves seeing she is places where she really wasn't. And uh, you have 30 seconds to comment. Well, you know, it's funny. I saw that one, and actually where she should have been was on the other side because she's always playing the fake victim, just like Smollett. So she should have pretended like she was on the losing side and then said it That's was right. racism that caused her to be there. Just that would have, right. but I do love it. She's love a it. Kansas City it. chief. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> now it's time for doctor's uh, orders. Thank you. At the beginning of the show, I shared my theory on why Democrats are pursuing an impeachment trial that will not succeed. President Trump will not be convicted of inciting an insurrection to overthrow the U.S. government. But I do believe that Democrats enjoy that they've successfully put a political opponent on trial for speech that they didn't approve and for having beliefs with which they disagree. I hope my prediction does not come true, but one day history books may record that this was where the United States began the criminalization of speech and thought. This could be the beginning of the end for the First Amendment. Democrats don't care about the loss of liberties. They only care about expanding their power and their wealth. Once the president is set that President Trump can be charged with speech and thought crimes, the next step is to do it on the local level. Is there any doubt that the left would put a Trump supporter on trial for their beliefs or for what they posted on social media? That's a fantasy that leftists used to only dream of. But now it's one step closer with this impeachment sham. A few months ago, We never would have imagined that a president of the United States would be banned from social media. 
We never could have dreamed a year ago that media outlets would be silenced for writing stories about the Democrat candidate's dirty family business dealings with foreign governments. And I hope we never see the day when we look back at better times in America when we still had freedom of speech. I hope we never see the time when supporters of the MAGA movement end up being arrested for their beliefs. But I don't think it can't happen. There is an Austrian immigrant who, I'm ha who I've had on my shows, different shows over the years, named Kitty Worthman. She's 95 years old now, and she tells the story of sitting in a gulag as a little girl and asking her mother what happened, how they got to where they were in that moment, in that gulag, together. And asking her mother, she asked her mother at that point, what was she doing when their country fell to the Nazis? So I hope, God forbid, that if you are ever sitting next to your child and your child asks what you were doing when your country fell to tyranny, that you have a good answer, or better yet, make sure that you fight now so you don't ever end up where Kitty Worthman and her mother found themselves. And that's my doctor's orders for tonight. Thank you so much for joining me tonight, and thank you to everyone here at your new home for real news. That's RAV-TV, Real America's Voice, live from Studio 6B, up next with Damon and the crew. Hug your children, love your God, stay positive, go boldly now, and live the truth. Good night, everybody.